KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. From KYW News Radio 103.9 FM, this is Flashpoint, shining light on the issues that matter to you in Philadelphia. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. I'm Raquel Williams, and this week on Flashpoint, you may have heard of them, or perhaps you've seen them. Philly's own urban concrete cowboys and girls. We catch up with the Philadelphia Urban Riders Association. Pura is something that's ours that we can continue to provide these experiences for our community. Our newsmaker of the week runs the area's only black-owned BMW auto shop and dealership, and he teaches kids about car racing and luxury vehicles. It forced them to dig deep into themselves to want to learn this subject. Our change maker this week started a contemporary community-based dance company that supports the hidden talents of youth and adults of color. I wanted to provide an avenue for them to be seen on the stages. It's a half hour not to be missed. Coming up on Flashpoint. Hello and welcome to Flashpoint. I'm Raquel Williams. Well, you may or may not know about Philadelphia's black urban cowboys and girls. Perhaps you actually became familiar with them after the release of the movie Concrete Cowboy on Netflix earlier this year. Of course, that was starring Idris Elba. Now, that was inspired by the real riders of Philly's Fletcher Street stables. Well, he must have really enjoyed that experience because the latest on-screen effort that features black cowboys is tearing up the screens on Netflix once again. It's called The Harder They Fall. Now, this has everyone talking about Philly's riders once again. So here with us today is a member of the Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. Erin Brown is executive director of the Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. She's known as the Concrete Cowgirl, and she began riding, uh, her riding career, I should say, at the Fletcher Street Stables back in 1990, and she has competed on the Mid-Atlantic Circuit for 20 years. We're going to find out what all of that is about. Welcome to Flashpoint, Erin. Hi, thank you for having me. You know, we're still not that used to seeing black men and women on horseback on the big screen. And, of course, visitors to Philly, I imagine, probably still give you a little double take when they're not familiar with you guys, when they see you riding in the neighborhoods. Tell me about the history of the Fletcher Street stables and how it all evolved into Pura. So Fletcher Street, once upon a time, uh, you know, in the 30s, 40s, way, way, way before either of us were born, And before modern vehicles came into play, produce and vegetables and milk and ice was delivered from uh, horse-drawn wagons and horseback. And that was on Fletcher Street. And directly around the corner from Fletcher Street, uh, which would be 26th and Fletcher, there was a laundry service. And it was like a big warehouse, which also delivered your dry cleaning on, you know, via horse and wagon. Mm-hmm. So over the time, as modern vehicles came into play, one thing that still remained was the black cowboy and a horse on Fletcher Street. But they were more so used for recreational enjoyment and for you know, they would give out pony rides. I keep hearing stories that, you know, you could just back in the day, you could just go to a place like Fletcher Street, one of the many other stables that are no longer here and rent a horse. But now in 2021, you have like insurance and all of those things that Mm -hmm. weren't a big thing back in the day. I grew up riding. I started riding on Fletcher Street in 1990. 
um, my dad has a miscellaneous metals fabrication company in North Philadelphia. A couple of the cowboys would bring their horse trailers to his company right on 19th and Girard at the time and get repairs done to their trailers because they were steel. So they needed the welding. Mm -hmm. And so my dad, which once was a day trip supposed to be for my brother and I to go see some horses ended up turning into every weekend, every second at the barn. Wow. And that's where it began for me. So you just fell in love. Yeah, it was <laughs> like, I couldn't believe it. Like, because at the time back then, they were like, you know, you're in driving through North Philly mm -hmm. and I'm from West Mount Airy. And, you know, you see chickens crossing the street and goats mm -hmm. and sheep. And there was a cow and then there's horses and ponies and turkeys. And I'm like, and ducks. <laughs> so I was, it was like a farm right. in the middle of North Philly. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I, I love to see it. I'm sure a lot of people love to see it. But what was it like for you as a young woman getting involved and becoming a cowgirl? I can imagine that there weren't too many cowgirls when you started. There were not. On Fletcher Street, there was a guy named Al, who I call Uncle Al, and... Tweety was the woman, um, I called her Aunt Tweety. So mm -hmm. they, you know, pretty much worked out whatever arrangement with my parents. And they kept me as like, I was one of, you know, their kids. If you're from Philly and you, anything involved with horses, you know exactly who Tweety is. Mm -hmm. She was like one of the, she was and is one of the flyest cowgirls. And she worked for DHS. So she would go to work mm -hmm. with her cowboy hat on and boots. And she was the one that I've always seen growing up. It wasn't until I got a little older that I would see more. Mm -hmm. And, you know, me with horses and going to school, and I think, you know, I still thank you for Facebook, but I have like friends from elementary school on Facebook. And I know they will all say that one thing that has not changed about me is horses. And I, you know, used, I was like this horse crazed kid mm -hmm. in school and people used to make fun of me because, you know, I rode horses. Right. Wow. And, <laughs> they're not making fun of you now, though. <laughs> no, they, nope. no, they're not. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> You know, I, I can imagine that things have changed for you since um, Concrete Cowboy was released earlier this year on Netflix. Talk about some of the changes that took place after that movie and, you know, some of the things that it did for, for the group. Um, it's a, a lot of the changes started prior to the movie even being released. A, a friend of mine, uh, the late Eric Miller, I'm going to say he was killed maybe a month before filming of the movie. Mm. So this whole script and storyline came from him. Okay. And he worked really closely with the filmmakers. And he was the original director of Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. Okay. So Pura was, you know, in the, its early, early beginning phases prior to filming um, and then once the movie came out, it was like more so, and I, I took the role after I stepped up after he was killed and because I knew all about it. And, mm -hmm. 
I was, you know, I used to exercise as horses. So I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to be the horse trainer, I guess, and riding instructor. And he, um, where am I going with this? Oh, (laughs) so he, you know, this was like going on. So, you know, when, after he was killed, Ricky, one of the filmmakers, he asked me, he said, so what are we going to do with Pura? Like, you know, do you want to like step up or do you want to, you know, we could talk about this at a, a later date. And I told him then, I said, if I don't, I think E would come back and haunt me because I knew how important the movie was to him. Mm-hmm. And I knew how much and how close he held Pura to his heart and what he wanted to continue to provide for the youth of in our community, what was done for us, which is no longer being done too much in the horse world in Philadelphia. So, and that's what happens with a lot of these um, stables that once were for the black cowboys. They've never owned the properties. We've never owned them. They've been abandoned buildings. You put some stalls in there, put some horses. Hey, you have a horse stable. It's there for like 40, 50 years. And here comes redevelopment. So Pura is something that's ours, that will stay, that we can continue to provide these hands-on equine recreational experiences for our community. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, I can imagine that the movie kind of gave you some exposure that perhaps you didn't have before. I know that you guys were looking for uh, a new, more permanent home. We can talk about some of the the developments that are in the works for that. Um, But of course, I mentioned the new movie, the newer movie, I should say, that's on Netflix, also with Idris Elba, The Harder They Fall. I'm assuming you saw that one, right? Sadly, I did not watch the movie. I have been running around like crazy. I have not watched it, but uh, Netflix did actually reach out to me Mm -hmm. um, and they set up this little town in uh, Manhattan, New York. And it was like a a town just like it was in the movie Mm -hmm. where different vendors and uh, people were there to sell their, it's all black companies, but to sell their products and, they had uh, myself and Michael come out and we were one of the vendors and we gave different demonstrations and uh, they got to take up uh, anyone coming to visit. They got to take a picture with the concrete cow girl. So <laughs> it was, um, it was a great thing. And I still have not seen the movie. Okay. New York just gave me a headache and how they commute <laughs> and <laughs> It, it can be a bit much. Yeah, I will say that it can be a bit much, <laughs> but it's it's great that uh, these you guys are still getting uh, the recognition and people are still talking about you. Because I I even thought about you after I saw the movie. I said, you know, I've got to talk to this group. I know you were on Flashpoint once before, but definitely wanted to catch up and find out what uh, has been going on uh, with the organization since that particular movie. Now I know that you offer a lot of different programs. Uh, and a big part of what you do today is, uh, you know, educating the community. What is it like? What is it like when you try to explain to people who come to you to learn about being an equestrian and raising horses and riding? These are things that, for, for example, I don't know anything about. Um, how do you go about educating the community about uh, uh, horse ownership and being an equestrian? It's honestly a lifestyle. Mm. So... 
and and you have it in you and you may not think that it's there but if you have this attraction to horses and that inner you or you want to call it a bucket list that wants to ride it it's there and horses you know they're therapeutic they were therapeutic for me my entire life they were the voice that I didn't have that I developed now and and I know what it does and I know what the power of a horse can do for a shy child mm-hmm. or someone with a disability or a troubled child. And it teaches you respect and responsibility and patience because they also have a brain of their own. So you, you guys do have a, a program. The organization has a program called the Junior Cowboy and Cowgirls Academy, something like that. Tell me a little bit about yes, that. The, the junior concrete cowboys and cowgirls. So we're in transition for, for our new home. Um, so currently we're in Gloucester County, New Jersey, which is 20 minutes from Philly. So we'll be gearing all of these programs back up January 1st. But the junior concrete cowboys and cowgirls is when I think of myself and my peers and you know, Michael and his peers and and everyone that we, you know, that's in this community, we are who we are today because someone else gave us the opportunity. And we didn't have the money. My mom was a single mom and in master's school and working. And, you know, if it were not for Al and Tweety and um, I wouldn't have had this opportunity. So they collectively, you know, put their money together so I can compete on a professional circuit growing up. And, you know, these kids today, they're they're lacking recreation. So that's what that program is for, for those who can't typically afford this uh, activity, which, you know, it's it's, it's an expensive one. So, and... All you have to do from uh, for us is, you know, be a child, be respectful, get good grades in school, and that's the ticket. You you build another family outside of your family, and you learn horses and horsemanship, and and for free. Right. But you have to have a passing grade in school, and if you do not, that doesn't mean you can't come to the barn. It means you will be at the barn doing homework and tutoring while your friends are riding, Mm -hmm. which in hindsight motivates you to want to do well in school. And you want to ride with your friends. You want to compete. And that's what that program is. That's how we designed it to be just that. Well, you mentioned something. You said uh, kids having um, a family or a home uh, away from home. And unfortunately, uh, some of the kids are choosing this family away from home that's not really functional and not directing them in the in the direction that they should be going in and therefore getting into trouble that they shouldn't be getting in. So, you know, your programs educate uh, and expose kids to something different, something new, something they wouldn't have known they had a passion for had it not been for, you know, someone introducing them to something like equestrian and, and, and horses. Do you think we need more programs like this in Philadelphia? I definitely do. There is an amazing program. Uh, you, I'm sure you may have heard of it. It's called Work to Ride. Um, they're the first black polo team 
uh, and it's in West Philly behind mm-hmm. City Line Avenue. But Work to Ride also does something similar, but you know, their main thing is polo. And you come, you work around the barn and you learn how to play polo and you get exper- exposed to new things. And, you know, we have a Cornell vet graduate and all of that other stuff coming from Work to Ride. And I was her lead instructor for several years. Um, so it's an amazing program. And programs like these, you need multiple because there are limited amounts of these programs, but a big city. Mm-hmm. And these few programs cannot cater to this entire city. Horses heal. This is something that we know. And honestly, I'm I'm a, a testimony. And I, I'm not sad that Michael isn't here, but he too has like a deep story that when I hear it, I still cry. So if it were not for horses, I don't know if I would be here today. Um, my closest friends from high school, they all died from drug overdoses. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, would I be with them, like following what they were doing? But I had a, I had a horse and I had a commitment to be at the barn and to practice for horse shows. And I did once upon a time wander off and thought I was grown and wanted Mm. to do my own thing I still ended up back at the stable because you know Al Uncle Al saw that I was headed up to no good and he told me there was something wrong with my horse which it wasn't but he knew Mm -hmm. and he got me back to the barn so look at that and I know we keep referencing uh, Michael Michael is also a member of Pura and uh, he's co-owner of Concrete horsemanship that you co-own as well. What is concrete horsemanship, by the way? Concrete horsemanship is, it's a, me as a a trainer, a coach, it's, you know, a clinician. So many people who do have horses aren't sure how to effectively communicate with them or they, you think they have, there's this problem horse and not everyone can understand their horse. I mean, because Mm. horses, they can't speak, but they do. It's via body language. Okay. So, you know, you have to put a group of horses together and look how horses communicate horse to horse and then transfer that same language with those different actions to horse to human and you have to speak their language. So concrete horsemanship, I established that, you know, to teach people how to establish successful partnerships with their, their horses through a concrete understanding of their horse. Now, so I saw, that's what that is. I, I, I saw the horses uh, of Pira and they are, they are just beautiful. Talk about Horse ownership. You did say that, you know, it's, it's, it's expensive, but what are some of the responsibilities that go with, you know, owning and taking care of a horse? A lot of horse owners do full care, which means they find an actual barn and they, you know, they pay full board, which includes, you know, it's kind of like college. You're paying for meals and you're paying for mm-hmm. your stall to be cleaned and you're 
paying for your horse to go outside. It's like a boarding school, yeah, okay. if you will. Mm-hmm. And us and the black community in Philly, we've always done self-care or what is known as rough board. So that means you're responsible for the daily feeding twice a day, stall cleaning daily, um, arranging farrier visits, vet visits, take exercising your own horse because you're instead of paying, I'm um, guessing full board at some of these facilities in Philadelphia are probably six hundred six seventy five. It's going up, and whereas though self care is like one seventy five. So, but you still have to buy your own hay, buy your own grain, and bedding. You do save some money. Um, you save a few hundred, I guess. I, it was, I can't keep track when I had one horse, it was, I could, you know, I was good. <laughs> right. We're up to six that are here Wow. that are counted for at the moment, but there's four other ones. And but I've always been fond of self-care, even when I was working full time, because I always know what's wrong with my horse. Mm-hmm. I always know when something's going on. I know how much water they drank from the day before. I know much how, how much hay they ate from the day before. I know if they're in pain. So you you build a closer relationship, I think, because you're the one that's hands-on with your horse every day. So and you learn and that also gives you you know, we have conversations and I know they all have these quirky little personalities (laughs) so that most people might not see, they might just see a horse, Mm -hmm. but you know, we got like the goofy one of the bunch (laughs) who likes to play all day. So, you know, I, those are the two differences. Um, But so if horse ownership, if you, you don't have the time full board, maybe for you to have someone else do it, you just go ride. Right. But I'm more, I've always been a hands-on, I'll do it myself kind of person. Okay. Sounds like you have to build a, a relationship with the horse and they have to get to know you. You have to get to know the horse and uh, take it from there. Uh, what's the latest on your facilities, though? Um, I know that there was a GoFundMe effort. Um, I don't know if you've been able to get any help from parks and recreation as far as facilitating and expanding your programs and having a, a permanent home. What's the latest on that? We're still actively fundraising. I think we'll be fundraising for the rest of my life and Purina's existence. But I do want to say Catherine at Level, Aparna, Bob Allen, and Councilman Curtis Jones, they have been a huge saving grace for Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. We do have a new location. It's in the Cobbs Creek section. It once was a bocce court, which we are converting into a stable. So we're in the architectural phases right now. So as soon as we can get these designs, uh, the architect gets these designs done, we can submit them to Parks and Rec hopefully within the next few weeks mm-hmm. and we can break ground. Wow. That's exciting. Yes. What, what, <laughs> what time, what time frame are you, are you guys aiming for? And you said you, you think you'll be fundraising for the rest of your life, but honestly, what's the goal and how much have you raised so far? Through the GoFundMe, we only raised, I want to say 125,000. 
we need about 800,000 mm. for this entire project. But I, when I say fundraising for our entire life, it, it it's a nonprofit. Mm-hmm. It's a nonprofit for profit, but to keep all of the horses fed and to pay the staff that are with these kids, you know, we're going to have to fundraise. And uh, we are starting off small when we do come to this new location, but we do have plans on expanding the facility as the program grows. But there's like a, a desperate need for this kind of recreation now. And with the city knowing the lack of recreation, you know, I think they would help this process or can help this process yeah, and it's definitely needed. It is definitely needed. What is something, Erin, that you would want uh, the community in Philadelphia to know about the Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy? What's the one message that you want everyone to know? The one message that I want everyone to know is, you know, we are living in some crazy times between this pandemic and the gun violence. Know that Everyone on Pura's team and staff were once were a product of our environment. And we also are a product of the urban black cowboy. So if we can make it, we all can make it. And, you know, the, we'll hopefully be back to Cobbs Creek in 2022 and know that, you know, we can make a change within our community. Erin Brown, Executive Director of Pura, which is Philadelphia Urban Riding Academy. I'm sure there'll be more films made about <laughs> uh, the, the Riding Academy and uh, the Fletcher Street Stables. Um, and they, I, I'm sure because people really seem to be um, gravitating toward these movies that, that feature something we just don't get to see too often. But Erin, thank you so much for your time. Much success and good luck to the, to, uh, you know, the fundraising effort for the organization. And, uh, and like I said, continued success to you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Flashpoint is sponsored by the gift of life donor program. Organ donors save lives. Register today at donorswant.org. Welcome back to Flashpoint. I'm your host, Raquel Williams. It's not just your average auto repair shop. Kids in Philadelphia have the opportunity to learn about the science and engineering behind race cars and luxury vehicles. KYW's Shara Day Howard caught up with the owner of 410 Specialties. Since the late 1800s, automobiles have shaped Philadelphia's history and geography, from trends in business and fashion to infrastructure, making indelible marks on the region's architecture, culture, and economy. And since then, many things have changed in the industry, and some things are very much the same, like the exclusion of black and brown people. But now, after more than a century, Daniel Kilson of Germantown is determined to make that change. Daniel, thank you for being here. My pleasure. So you've opened up the only specialty BMW shop in Philly. In Germantown. And you're making change in the industry by teaching brown and black students the art and science behind engineering. That is true. Um, BMW Independent Service Center 
I'm proud of it, worked hard for it. And honestly, you're a unicorn in the industry. You're one of very few black people of all the industry, let alone the only one here in Philadelphia. Now, why was it important for you to be here in Germantown? Well, born and raised 212 West Penn Street, right here in the heart of Germantown. My family comes from Germantown, the Kilsons. My father was the oldest of 13. My roots are in Germantown. So why not here? Why not here? Sometimes your circle comes back to where you started from. So where did your story begin? How did you get your start? I remember I used to work at Firestone Tire Center at Wayne and Shelton as a tire changer. And my dad got me that job at 15 years old. And that's where it all started. When you got fire in the belly, how old were you and how did that fire spark? Well, I was between 8 and 12. I just fell in love with cars. And my dad, he knew I loved cars. Hot Wheels, racetracks, all over the house. I still love Hot Wheel cars today. That was like the best gift my dad and mom could give me at that time was a Hot Wheel car or some kind of car I could roll on the ground. Now let's talk about what you do as a technician, a BMW luxury vehicle technician. And you own your own shop. That is so rare. There are not many people who speak the language. BMW, we are technicians. We are factory trained. I'm factory trained. What that means is um, I went to BMW school and BMW engineers poured into me what I know and how to approach a customer's situation or problem because we think like engineers. That's the difference between a mechanic and a technician. This it's systematic. We do things in a system. You started out with Hot Wheels, and now you have a connection to the real thing, a future in an industry where you are one of very few. And now you share that talent, that fire, that passion with students. But you don't hold back. You let them know it's going to be difficult. You let them know it may be a lonely road, but it's worth it. That is true. Throughout my career, and that's what I try to share with young African-American male and female, can you walk alone? It has been a... I've only been the black, the only black, when I was at um, BMW Training Center, Rolls-Royce Training Center, General Motors Training Center. And even when I was, I had a golden opportunity to work in NASCAR for a short period of time and definitely the only African-American. And that's, you have to be able to walk alone and to obtain your dream. And that's what you did. Yes, with the help of God and friends along the way and the students that I had an opportunity to to touch, especially when I was at Lincoln Technical Institute. So I was, I'm so proud of that part of my life to have eight years nominated number one instructor out of 10 schools across the country and 30 students in your class every day to get that opportunity in life to give back what you learned priceless. So let's talk about your natural instinct to educate. So you didn't have to really give back in this way. You could have given a couple dollars, a little this, but you've given your time. You've given your knowledge, your wisdom. Tell me why this is important for you to do, especially with children of color. Wow. Great question. The reason why. My dad was a school teacher at Fulton School. Now, did I think he was hard on me? Absolutely. But I understand it now. I understand the level of excellence that he wanted out of me at all times. And that's what I strive to give back because presentation is everything. um, Preparation is everything. And presentation is everything. And it's all about excellence. Are you excellent in what you do? Are you excellent in how you speak? Are you excellent in how you are um, perceived? So to be able to teach 
at Lincoln Technical Institute to be able to be gifted an opportunity to teach at Temple for a short period of time and to be gifted to be in an opportunity to teach at the at the Navy Yard jet engines program with U.S. Navy engineers and Admiral Wolfhead give me accommodation. That was a miraculous part of my life that I is priceless. And so to give back, um, I have to. Much given, much required. God has blessed my life in such a way that I have to. I got to give back. How important is it for young people of color to have exposure to engineering and the understanding of the science and artistry that's involved? What a super question. What I call identifiers. At the end of the day, our students, our African-American male and female, they need to have identifiers, somebody that looks like them, somebody that says, oh, okay, you're a man of color. When you hear all these big titles, lawyer, engineer, astronaut, all these lofty titles that people carry, but they don't look like us. So now when our students see like, oh, oh, you have your own BMW shop. It's obtainable. Yeah. Yeah. It's obtainable. Yes. Okay. So now what do I got to do to be that? That's the priceless part. It's obtainable. Priceless. When you believe that it's obtainable for you, run it full speed. So when you're teaching students, when you're looking in their eyes, when you're seeing that thing, that special something that maybe someone saw in you, how are you carrying that forward? How are you getting that out of them? How are you building on that? Right. Only 10% in the automotive industry is black. I make champions. I can sit there and talk to a young individual and be able to say, they got it. If they come clean, if they are willing to be transparent and share who they are, what they want to do, I can show you the path. And if you follow the steps, you will be successful. If you listen, if you're willing to walk alone, if you're willing to stay humble, if you're willing to... Just be you when it's time to be you. If you're willing to show up. Show up. But we as African-Americans, we have a way of being us. Is it time to be us? When you have the position in leadership, then it's time to be you. When you don't have that position, it's time to absorb. When in Rome, you do as the Romans. When it's your time to shine, then you can be you. You have a moment to be you. You have to shine. At all times, you have to shine. So engineering is an art. What you do is an art, and it's a science. Communicating that to kids. Wow. So that brings me all the way back to the jet engines program that I work with, the U.S. Navy. For 22 Saturdays, I took students that had no knowledge of thermodynamics, how an engine works internally and externally from a molecule standpoint, where the air-fuel ratio and how that works and how the computer works in relationship to the engine running smooth. So these students learn from basic engines to turbocharging, supercharging to gas turbine engines, which is in jet planes, all military based. That opportunity to be able to transfer that kind of knowledge to somebody who had no knowledge of how an engine works and how they could change their own life It forced them to dig deep into themselves to want to learn this subject. And now I have students that are working with the U.S. Navy. My gift is in teaching. My gift is in transferring the information that I have to somebody else. And when you see that light come on, it's an amazing thing. It doesn't get any better than that. Daniel, thank you for being here. My pleasure. 
If you're considering home care for yourself or a loved one, Patriot Home Care makes it easy with a caring and compassionate staff. Don't be overwhelmed by all the choices. Let Patriot Home Care help. Patriot Home Care is growing with offices throughout Philadelphia and now in Delaware. Patriot is accepting caregivers and new clients virtually as well. At Patriot, you will love what you do and feel rewarded by taking care of people who need your help. Patriot also offers some of the area's best pay, benefits, and a $600 sign-on bonus to new caregivers. Visit PatriotHomeCare.org. The Philly Rising Changemaker of the Week is presented by Patriot Home Care. KYW's Antoinette Lee here with this week's Philly Rising Changemaker. They're called the Chocolate Ballerina Dance Company, and they're bringing diversity to the art by offering free ballet lessons to Philadelphia communities. Now, the group is led by Chanel Holland from Mount Airy, who you'll hear from in just a moment. And in a couple of weeks, they're putting on a very special performance. It's called The Nutcracker Dipped in Chocolate. Since 2017, Chanel Holland has been on a mission to bring ballet to underserved communities, giving black and brown children a shot at dance lessons and building more equitable access to performances. I wanted to provide an avenue for them to be seen by the Alvin Ailey's, the Dance Theater of Harlem, to be on the stages of the Joyce Theater. That mission was briefly interrupted by COVID-19, but she didn't let that stop her. This winter, she's bringing a first-of-its-kind historic performance to Philadelphia. It'll be the first African-American cast in Nutcracker premiere at the Mandel Theater at Drexel University. The Nutcracker dipped in chocolate will bring a new flavor to the holiday classic. 20-year-old Noni Diera will star as the Sugar Plum Fairy. So growing up, it's like I don't see dark-skinned girls who look like me or women who look like me being in positions like this and being in the, the forefront. Representation is everything. And so I'm glad that like kids younger than me are able to grow up and see these things and aspire to be able to be on Broadway one day. So the Sugar Plum Fairy role like that's like the coveted position. I'm like, it's a lot of pressure, <laughs> but I'm really excited to be stepping into that position. The show premieres on December 19th and tickets have already sold out. But Holland says this is only the beginning. As we're going to start to begin to provide seasonal showings and performances that people can come and look forward to each fall, spring and summer and go into the community and provide free performances in our neighborhoods so they can see ballerinas that look like us. They can see ballerinas and they're all beauty. They can see African-American dancers doing what they feel is a predominantly white and or privileged skill right in the neighborhoods of where they're living. To learn more about the Chocolate Ballerina Dance Company or the premiere of the Nutcracker Dipped in Chocolate, you can go to kywnewsradio.com. If you know a Philly Rising Changemaker we should highlight next, please let us know. You can tweet me at Air. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. Well, that does it for this week's Flashpoint. I'll leave you with this quote from actress Viola Davis. All dreams are within reach. All you have to do is keep moving towards them. For Shara Day Howard, Antoinette Lee, and our producer, Arian Fulcher, I'm Raquel Williams. Thanks for joining us. Flashpoint is a production of KYW News Radio 1039 FM. For more, go to KYWnewsradio.com slash Flashpoint and subscribe to the Flashpoint Podcast wherever you get your shows. Presented by the Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives.